Thank you for downloading the Engineering Commons podcast. Want to know what Dilbert, BattleBots, and the Large Hadron Collider all have in common? We'll listen to this episode as we talk about the movies, TV series, and documentaries that we've enjoyed watching. The Engineering Commons podcast explores challenges encountered by engineers, regardless of their field or industry. Join mechanical engineer Jeff, civil engineer Adam, and electrical engineers Brian and Carmen as they discuss issues of interest to today's engineering professional. This is episode 86, Idiot Box, July 9th, 2015. So, Carmen, how long has it been since you pulled the plug on your cable provider? It's been about a month now. Uh, mm-hmm. The fateful day came when I went to cancel certain parts of my cable package, and they said my bill would go up when I canceled. So I just <laughs> yes. got rid of the whole damn thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I had the same sort of thing where I, I have my internet uh, connection, and they keep bundling the TV, and I don't want the TV service. I don't use the TV service. Uh, but, of course, for a long time, they had it uh, bundled so it was $2 less if you had both. Uh, instead of just one or the other. And I can never figure out exactly what – there must be some incentive for them to be able to tell the community that they have so many TV subscribers. So, How about that ad money? <laughs> right. Thankfully, as an engineer, I'm paid well enough where I can eat the $2 every month and, you know, do it on principle. Yeah. Yeah, that $24 yeah. a year, man. You know, I'm rolling <laughs> in it. <laughs> right. Well, uh, my wife and I had traveled this weekend uh, to go to a wedding, and uh, we were at the hotel, and I'm killing a little time while uh, we're kind of waiting for events to happen so we can go to the to the church and then the reception, and I'm flipping through the channels, and channel after channel after channel, it's like, hmm, there's still nothing I want to watch on here. I'm so glad I, I dumped cable. Uh, I did it about three years ago. Nice. Yeah, I really don't uh, I don't miss it too much. But but I definitely had withdrawals the first a couple months. It was really tough not being able to to uh, flip on the TV and and uh, browse through about a dozen channels. Yeah, uh, I hopefully have something coming soon for that. It's on pre order, but they haven't sent my uh, shipment out yet. It's a uh, it's a company called Tableau, and what it is is um, like a DVR box that you hook an HD antenna to, mm-hmm. and it'll pull in you know all the the channels it can and. You set it up just like a regular DVR and record. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah, in order to not have a giant lily pad on my uh, wall to capture the HD antennas, though, they have one for uh, urban areas, and it's got two built-in TV tuners, so you can record two channels at once. And it's on pre-order. It's supposed to ship in June, but as soon as there's like 24 hours left in the month, um, we'll see. <laughs> right. And, you know, right. it'll, I'll break even in before the end of the year with what my cable bill was and what it is now. Yeah. Well, it, it adds up fast. Oh, uh, yeah. I can't remember, but I was, I had to be paying 80 or 90 bucks a month for cable. And so when I cut it off, it was, you know, that, uh, that's a sizable chunk of change that uh, goes back into the pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I cut my bill in about half, chopping the cable. Yeah. The, the, the only part about it that I've sort of not regretted, but it's tough to get around is when they have some sort of sporting event and it's only on ESPN or it's only on TBS mm-hmm. or something. And I, there's just, uh, well, there are ways if, if one is creative, one can so do a little inclined. searching yeah. on the internet. We would know find, about that. Find though. people that are, are, uh, providing feeds that probably they shouldn't be, but 
I don't know. Uh, That's all rumors. I've never done that. Right. Right. Yes. I yes. just you hear you hear these things and you think, huh? People really do that. Yeah. Well, being a former Buffalonian, um, the Bills are never on here, anyways. And you know they only play <laughs> they only play Carolina like once every forty years or whatever it is. However, they work the. Uh, you know, conferences matching up against each other. So if I ever want to watch the Bills game, I have to go out to a bar anyways. So I'm not really missing anything there by not having cable. Right. And any most of the games for most of the season are on the big channels you get over the air anyways. So I'm all good with it. Yeah. Well, so we, uh, we thought in this episode we might talk about some of the TV shows and movies that we've run across over the past decades for some of us more decades than others uh but uh you know what what shows that uh, sort of inspired us as engineers they're not all necessarily engineering themed uh but tv shows movies documentaries that uh, we found interesting so we're titling the uh, the episode idiot box and uh we'll see what kind of shows we like all <laughs> all goofy ones apparently <laughs> <laughs> probably probably so so, Brian, you want to start us off? Do you have a nominee for a a movie that, that sort of inspired you and thrilled you as an engineer? Oh, yes. Um, oh, there's my dogs. <laughs> Second. <laughs> you might need to pause this audio. Sure. I'll throw in a, a special mention while Brian goes and looks after the poochies. Um, sure. It's not a movie yet, but it's a uh, very popular book recommended by Adam Savage and pretty much every engineer on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, The Martian by Andy Ware, and it's there's a there's a recent XKCD that's always relevant from eh, last week or so. And uh, you know they said it's like that part in Apollo 13 where they dump the box of stuff on the table and say we got to make this out of all these parts, but it's mm-hmm. expanded to a whole book. And that's very accurate, and it's a wonderful, wonderful book. Wow, it's okay. coming out in movie form, uh, is it October or November this year? Okay. And Matt Damon is the protagonist, and it's about a, an astronaut who's stranded on Mars during a mission, and he has to survive until he can be rescued or not. No spoilers. <laughs> okay. And am I correct? I, so I think I heard a blurb on some radio station while I was, you know, driving through this weekend that the, uh, the astronaut is a mechanical engineer. Correct. Oh, okay. Yes. He's a, you know, everybody does double duty in uh, the NASA missions. So he's a mechanical engineer and a botanist. Okay. And, and so when they have, um, movie stars do action roles, you know, they're going to do a lot of, uh, martial arts fighting. They train for a whole long time doing that. And, uh, if they're going to take on the role of, you know, a certain personality, they'll go to wherever. So is Matt I'm Damon kind of, doing differential calculus right now? Is that what exactly, you're asking? That's what I'm asking. Well, no, he doesn't need to because he's done good will hunting in the past. He already remembers how to do all that. Oh, oh that's yeah. it. But I, I don't know. That's a really good question. I hope that's in the DVD <laughs> extras. <laughs> he's, he's sitting there with thermodynamics just cursing and, you know. Some grizzled PhD. Come on, give me three more problem sets. Right. <laughs> well, if he's the method actor, you know what? What is it that's inspiring him? What motivates him? What does he think drives an engineer? Well, if he if he goes off the book, it's uh, you know bad jokes and booze. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I mean that that's how I get through my day. Right. I see smoke. Got to mm-hmm. love it. 
Yeah, those solder fumes. You catch a buzz early in the morning, the rest of the day you just coast. <laughs> so to answer your question, Jeff, um, I have a very particular movie uh, named Real Genius from back in the 80s. I think it was either Val Kimmer's first or second movie. Mm-hmm. Um, if I remember correctly, the movie was written by a bunch of Caltech grads. Right. And it... Uh, while it is a fun, crazy 80s movie with all of the 80s movie tropes, mm-hmm. it has some shockingly accurate uh, portrayals of engineering life in school, engineering life in the lab. Uh, everyone's You get the impression that people are either physics grad or physics students or engineering students. They don't – I don't think they really say. Mm-hmm. But they're working on uh, a super secret laser for the military. And uh, it's also got the undertones of people who are you know, going back to the Manhattan Project, technical people who are working simply on a technical problem without thinking about the consequences of what they're designing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I was actually before the show looking up because there's a great scene where they actually have the, I believe they're the Fermi energy level diagrams for the hypothetical laser that they're uh, discussing mm-hmm. or th- that is the culmination of all of their work in the movie. And as much as it is a fictional laser, it's, you know, they are describing a laser and they're going out of their way to make sure it looks like mathematically they're describing a laser. Yeah. So you got to love when movies do that, that they go the extra mile. Yeah. It's, it's up on the list of movies are on our list to talk about that. I think, really went out of its way to to you know be palatable to people who are even subject matter experts in the field yeah yeah they're not just you know throwing out the techno babble of reversing the polarity thrusters on the flux capacitor exactly <laughs> no and actually very little techno babble most of it's pretty yeah and a lot of it's fun it, you know i don't know what everyone's university experience was like Everywhere from the meltdown freakout moments to the, you know, fun with science pranks that go on. Mm-hmm. You know, I think at one point they freeze an entire level of the dorm so they can have a winter festival. Nice. This is the episode where I get a shitload of feedback because I haven't seen a lot of these uh, movies on the list, including <laughs> oh. Real Genius. Oh, it's good. So my Netflix queue is going to get uh, quite large. Here in the, the next uh, hour or so. Right. I, I, I worry that it's one of those movies that those who saw it in the 80s are nodding their heads. And anyone who hasn't seen it is going to go watch it and be like, this is an 80s movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will but report back. Yeah, it's really good. You guys are okay with pausing for like two hours, right? <laughs> sure. Yes. Sure. Good. We'll good. record. We'll, we'll record this episode over the next five days as we each watch the movie <laughs> in between each comment. All right, and we're back. <laughs> Great movie, guys. Great movie. Really changed my perspective on things. <laughs> I so I do remember the scene where they they finally were firing off that laser, and the beam had to be like you know six to eight inches in diameter. And I mm-hmm. can't remember. You told me, Brian, how many. Uh, kilowatts supposedly no, were in the. It was. I think it was supposed to be a six or seven megawatt laser. <laughs> megawatt. Okay. 
but even then, that's the the um, spot size is very big. Um, Maybe they just use really large photons. Well, I mean, <laughs> so you Get those things at Costco, a, they're bigger than their average photon. They're sold in bulk. The uh, the way you make a laser more powerful, if you will, is to focus it so that you take the same energy and put it into a smaller area. Well, they don't do that. They just put a collimated beam through several feet of steel and and bricks and stuff. It, you know, it, it is a movie. I mean, actually, that's one thing for all of these movies. You, re- If somebody actually filmed – I was reading today because another movie on our list is Hackers. Um, and I was actually reading um, an account of a bunch of hackers reading the movie Hackers or watching the movie Hackers together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 20 years since it's been out. And somebody made the point, you know, we all criticize this movie for being, you know, not realistic. But if we'd made this realistic, or if this would have been real hackers, it would have been boring as hell and none of the people would have been palatable. (laughs) Well, that's uh, artistic license, do they? I believe Mm -hmm. they call it. Still got to entertain. Right. Well, here, I'll I'll throw in one that since we're talking about lasers, I'll throw in one for the... uh, those that are a little advanced in years, uh, I know that's not a huge uh, proportion of our audience, but there may be a few out there. And there was a show that showed in the very late 60s, early 70s uh, called The 21st Century. And it had been a show that up to 1969 had been called The 20th Century. And they kind of looked back at history and they decided that they wanted to change direction. Uh, they brought on a new advertiser, Union Carbide. And they would start talking about what advances uh, we thought we'd see in the 21st century. So I remember watching that as a kid and being fascinated. And that was the very first time that I uh, that show explained lasers for the first time. And I had some concept of how a laser worked. And they also talked about you know what future housing would look like. And they talked about the artificial heart uh, and whether we would have you know artificial organs in the future. And uh, so I don't know if we have anything these days that is looking out the same sort of way because it seems to me we're on the verge of just breakthroughs in all kinds of scientific and engineering areas. Certainly the, the power of computing is growing exponentially. The, uh, the storage is dropping. The networking is, is getting faster. We're making breakthroughs in, in solar and energy. There's just so much going on, but I don't see anybody – really trying to predict what would be happening, say, mid-century, you know, at, at, at 2050, what will our world look like? If you if you hadn't cut your cord, basically anything Michio Kaku is on is, is doing that okay. to probably a worse degree than was done in the 70s. But also I would say a lot of that stuff, the best of that now is in TED Talks, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of where you have people who are – for lack of a better word, on the bleeding edge of consumer electronics, bringing their wares in. But the internet kind of ruins all of that. We we are now so closely exposed to all of those advanced pursuits that we know it. Mm-hmm. Or the people who would be interested in watching a show like that know it. Right. Right. Well, I guess that we do have the YouTube to, uh, to show us all this stuff. I, I'm still stunned by the fact that YouTube is only 10 years old, that – 10 years ago, we didn't have that. And now it seems so integrated into our life. You know, everybody knows what YouTube is and, um, so much information is up there. And, uh, you know, uh, we were talking, the, I was talking with someone the other day about, you know, doing household repairs. And there are a lot of times when 
I kind of think I have a notion of how to do it, but I'll get on YouTube and, and watch three or four different people explain their method of doing it. Uh, sometimes in a scary method that I don't think is very wise, but <laughs> it's interesting to see what they do. And then I feel a little better about uh, trying to tackle it on my own. Yeah. I love looking at tutorials on YouTube for, uh, you know, whatever comes up around the house. Yeah, the the uh, the good ones are the ones that are short and to the point. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> when you have to go through twenty minutes of of discussion of the problem at hand, it's it uh, it gets yeah. a little tedious. Doesn't Adam Savage have a rule like you always skip the first minute thirty of a show, of a YouTube video? Something like that. Yeah the the recent on still untitled. I think he said you know the first thirty three percent or so you know some some general rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. But we're we're going off on a tangent there <laughs> that will be this entire episode <laughs> things adam right. savage said all right so uh you had one carmen and then brian had one and i had one so i guess we're back to you carmen is there a movie or tv show that uh, you like um i will i will go with a tv show i'll change it up here a little bit and uh there's quite a few episodes of this on uh, netflix for any subscribers out there uh, modern marvels from the history channel one of the, the few shows that doesn't say it's all an alien conspiracy theory anymore. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they just pick a, uh, you know, a random topic. Like one I just watched recently was waterproof and they, they go in depth about how, you know, subs are built to Gore-Tex layers on coats and, you know, ruggedizing electronics. And it, it, it's just a nice little look into a, a bunch of random stuff you wouldn't normally think about that has a common theme. Mm-hmm. Um, the one was about logistics in preparing large meals, like after a disaster or for, you know, football events or you just after award ceremonies and stuff. And it's just really cool to see all the logistics and planning and all the thought that went into, you know, how are we going to do this efficiently and what's the engineering behind it? Mm-hmm. And and so how deep are they able to go into the engineering? Are they pretty um, superficial or do they, they dive in? It's it's superficial. I, I would say you know, I, I haven't watched every episode, so I'm sure there's some that are more deep than others. But it, it depends on how many topics they're going to cover. Um, you know, obviously, if it's called helicopters, they can go into a little more detail than if they're going waterproof, where they're going to cover everything from coats to electronics to subs. Right. Um, so it depends on what the episode topic is. But it, it's you know like your your standard popular science type level i would think if it's a really deep episode okay so it, it, it's a good overview of a lot of subjects and you know i've, I've used it as a jumping off point to go to wikipedia or you know some random forum post right well and and i'm the first to admit there's there are any number of shows that have uh they're not very challenging intellectually but i'm still happy to sit there and watch it anyway so oh yeah just you know because I, I don't have a knowledge of a lot of things you know i'm pretty niche over here in my integrated circuit world so i, I don't work around a lot of machines so it's really cool to see big assembly lines building stuff absolutely so yeah even though i have my engineering degree you know if they were starting going into heat transfer equations and finite element analysis of a submarine i'd, I'd probably just glaze over <laughs> okay and and so do the are this uh, modern marvels? Do they cover a number of different topics? Oh yeah, there's anything and everything, depending on how many back episodes you can find, from tanks to helicopters to you know pocket knives to race cars to you know James Bond gadgets. Um, they're they're all over the map. It's been running 
for a long, long time. I remember watching it in middle school 10, 12 years ago. Okay. So it's one of those things that if you wanted to- uh, Well, geez, to middle school wasn't even watch. 10, 12 years ago. I graduated high school 10 years, nine years ago. <laughs> Jeez. When did everything happen? It's so old. Yeah. Get used to it. Oh, well. I'm not complaining. I like where I am now. <laughs> right. But yeah, no, there this has been this show's been on the air for a long time, so you could probably find the modern marvels on just about anything. Okay. Uh, well, what are you about you, Brian? You got another show or movie? Oh, I got tons of. Um So I'll actually group these two together because they're both kind of infosec movies, but uh you know, when it comes to electronics they were interesting when I was growing up. Uh, Hackers and Sneakers. Hackers is a cartoonish movie that I. it's fun to watch now, but it's, you know, it's it's a period piece. Let's just say that. <laughs> I mean, the scenes where they're hacking supercomputers is almost laughable. But, you know, there's yes. pieces of it that are... You know, for the listeners prob- who haven't seen the movie, they hacking is like a video game where you fly through the computer and you know yes. if you're looking for a file, you have to find the right building. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh yes. And dropping a virus is basically dropping an animation into yes. somebody's computer. It's well, it's what was the one line where they're hacking and uh the evil hacker, you know, they're like, Oh, they're 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 sending us a virus and they're like uh, a rabid virus or something, they're like give it a yes, flu shot. It- yes. Flu shots, uh, yeah. What's her name from uh, from The Sopranos? Just has some ridiculous lines in that scene. <laughs> but uh, you know, there's pieces of it that actually hold up. There, I mean, we're, we're we're actually I shouldn't say hold up. We're we're accurate of hacking and phone freaking at the time. Yes. Um, and it it kind of sucks because again, it's people wouldn't want to watch actual hacking. Uh, sneakers. <laughs> Sneakers is totally different. Um, Sneakers is about uh, Robert Redford and his crowd that were, you know, some of which were hackers in the late 60s, early 70s, and, you know, kind of an anti-government, you know, more hippie kind of group. Mm -hmm. And uh, in modern times, this is the early 90s, they had developed a firm that would break into companies and banks to test their security and you know they take a job and i guess the whole thing is about the job but i mean everything about how they go about breaking into companies and the electronics the computers it's probably as accurate as you're going to see in any movie you know right down to the scenes where they're they're probing ics and um and the whole discussion of cryptography is amazing. And there's this great scene. I don't think, I think I sent it to you guys. We include it in the show notes where there's a huge discussion between the hero and the enemy at the end where they're sitting on a Cray computer having a conversation. And the, <laughs> the Cray, the Cray looks amazing. They don't build yeah. them like that anymore. And for those who don't know, Cray supercomputers back in the late eighties, early nineties, actually had seats on them or what look like seats. I don't know if they were supposed to be used as seats, but they had a very distinctive look to them. Yeah. All the cooling system was down underneath the seats. 
Was it actually a seat? Well, I I don't know whether anybody actually sat there. It sure looked like a uh, a lounge chair. You know, it's kind of circular, went all the way around, and and uh, at the bottom, it looked like it was something you could sit on. So, uh, I assume Carmen did. Jeff, did you ever see that movie? Which sneakers? Yeah, yeah, many years ago, but yeah, still no for me. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen Hackers though. Now, in in both these movies, uh, I take it then they don't when they're doing cryptography and they're trying to break the code. Uh, if they're accurate, they don't show the little countdown meter where they, they start with 72 digits and then it goes to, you know, 50 digits left and then 20 digits left and then three digits left. And we just need one more digit and we'll break the code. No, that's in Swordfish, which is coming up. <laughs> oh, um, no, you already mentioned it. We may as well jump in. No, we're not. We're leaving <laughs> oh. that for its own special awesomeness. Okay. All right. Till we get back to you again. Uh, but um, no, in Sneakers, which actually deals deeply with the mathematics of cryptography. Mm-hmm. Um, it They actually do show what looks reasonably like uh, uh, graphical AXIE, ASCII characters being decrypted, mm-hmm. you know, in so much as you could show it. Right. Well, just my, my point has always been when you're, you're trying to brute for, force yeah. a code, you either have it or you don't. There's no, I've got 17 characters out of 20. <laughs> yeah, it's not like the, you know – get smart breaking into a, you know, coded system where, you know, one character's time gets solved. Right. Yeah. We just got to get that final character. Right. I mean, I suppose you could take the password and hash each character individually and somehow, I don't know, store them all. And <laughs> Well, it's supposed to be I – be, I bet you the trope goes back to early safe cracking where you actually did get yeah, I need sequentially number the numbers. Time. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, like I can't say uh, enough good things about sneakers. It's it's pr- up there with a couple of the other ones on the list. Is probably the best representation of a technical movie or representation of technical skills. Okay. I'd like to see one of these hacker movies. Uh, you know, lampshade the whole cracking thing. Like, oh man, it's it's you know twenty four bit encryption and you know yada yada. Will take us two years to crack into this. Oh, wait, no, they left the password on a post-it note. We're fine. (laughs) There is actually a movie on the list that's like that. Ooh. Actually, there's two. All right. Well, I'll wait for you to tell me about them. Oh, my goodness. Well, in in the meantime, I'll throw in one that was kind of a disappointment, at least for me. And that was the Dilbert cartoon. Oh, that was bad. And so. I think uh, I've seen a few episodes, but I haven't watched a ton of it. So, and I think we mentioned this last week, Dilbert is a fun cartoon. It's a fun read. Scott Adams does a great job. It is Scott Adams, right? Yes. Um, and, but that, that animated cartoon, other than the little bit, uh, the little snippet about what is your, your son's an engineer. He's got the knack. Mm-hmm. I love that. But other than that, it just seemed, the voices didn't seem right. Dogbert didn't seem to act. The voice didn't seem to match how I envisioned Dogbert's voice. The I don't know. It just seemed uh, not to match what I got out of the uh, the cartoon that I was used to reading in in uh, either the books or the newspaper. Is it? Uh, can you get full episodes of it still? Oh, I bet you can. Yeah, I don't know. We can check. Can I stream it later? <laughs> <laughs> okay. That'll, that'll tell you if it's available legally. But 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 if, <clears throat> for me, after about three minutes, I've had enough. So yeah, maybe I'll skip it then too. 
gosh, I'm looking at the list of people who voiced characters in that show. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. Good names, bad names, well-known oh, names. Oh. Yeah, you got Larry Miller, um, Jason Alexander. Okay. Jerry, Se- Jerry Seinfeld, Billy West, John Favreau, Eugene Levy. Oh, wow. It's quite the cast. Gilbert Got- yeah, Gilbert Gottfried, Christopher Guest, Andy Dick, Tom Green, evidently, at one point. <laughs> Jay Leno, Steve Austin. <laughs> well maybe it was the animation then i don't know but it, that show never I mean, clicked for me oh yeah i'm just i hadn't realized it was that big of an ensemble yeah so i'll throw out another uh a tv show in the similar vein of modern marvels how it's made yes great tv show um not uh maybe not a lot of science per se, but just a really in-depth look at the manufacturing process of really, you know, from space shuttles down to mundane items like pencils. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that not that pencils are mundane, you know. After reading David Reese's book about pencils, you know, they're, they're quite awesome and should be cherished, but. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, a lot of companies are somewhat uh, sensitive about showing their manufacturing areas. Did do they seem to be pretty pretty free to be able to move around the manufacturing plant to show what they need to show? I mean, if they're hiding something, they edit it pretty well. Um, okay. <laughs> trying to, the most I ever usually see is, you know, they'll be dumping something into a vat and, you know, they're like, oh, it's the company's own uh, secret sauce chemical that, uh, you know, just to go with the uh, waterproofing, you know, mm-hmm. that has a, you know, their waterproof coating chemical and it's in like pellet form. So, it, you know, they just look like plastic pellets. Right. They're not going to say it's, uh, you know, two parts plastic to one part Teflon to, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of non-commodity type, you know, something where there's probably not a lot. Of, there's not a lot of secret sauce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or not more, more than br- one, maybe two steps of secret sauce. Yeah, I and mean, it's mostly branding. Like I remember, like the hockey skates and the hockey stick. I believe there was a hockey stick episode. Mm-hmm. And didn't they do the Louisville bat at one point? But that's cool to see those wood lathes go at it. Oh yeah. If if I'm not actually making up the fact that they did Louisville Slugger, <laughs> <laughs> which I could, there were a lot of those shows. Yeah, that seems to always be on when I'm, the few times I've clicked through channels back at my parents' house and stuff. And it, if you ever really need to take a nap, not that it's not a great show, but that guy's got the most soothing voice. He can put you out. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't watch it when you're tired. Like eat a sandwich or something as you watch it to keep you awake. So it's more effective than a golf tournament for in that regard. Uh, I, I don't have you know more than anecdotal data. <laughs> golf puts me out pretty fast too. Okay. All right, so uh, whose turn is it now? Brian. Brian, what have you got? Uh, let's see. Um, jump on in. Do it. Do it. I'll jump out of the movies for a second and say Silicon <sighs> Valley. I've heard good things, but I haven't watched it either. So we should also state, we probably should have stated ahead of time, that a lot of these shows may not, or movies may not be kid-friendly. Uh, this is definitely one of them. Mm. Okay. Uh, it's on it's on HBO. It's in its second season, and it's following a compression algorithm 
startup company. And it's, you know, lampooning the startup culture in the Bay Area. Um, but there's, again, uh, there's actually a big piece, I think it was on Wired of, about, you know, discuss with Mike Judge how they went out of their way to make it credible. Yeah, I've, I've heard they, uh, yeah, it's not just making fun of geeks, it's more celebrating them, I guess, is a way yes. to put it. And again, it's another one of those things where you'll be looking at the whiteboards in the background or the, the crazy processes that the managers try to implement in order to get the software engineers to hit their milestones. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a couple scenes, I think, that are very much making fun of lean development or uh, <laughs> agile development. Right. Um, but also there's hilarious scenes where I think this last season where each person, like the head of the company talks to the head of the project and they're like, oh man, if you only knew how far, how far behind we were. And then like that person talks to their person and is, you know, their subordinates and they're like, you know, oh, that's, that's forever out. And like the, the time frame just keeps, as people talk to their subordinates, keep getting further and further out, mm-hmm. you know, and they never deliver. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So, but, but it's that, very funny. But that's software engineering, right? Other engineering projects always deliver on time. Oh yes. <laughs> you know, it's it's more about the it's more about the startup culture than it is about software. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's you know, it's something that should be both enjoyable and recognizable to any engineer. Right. Okay, so even though there's uh, there's no mechanical, electrical, chemical engineers in the series, it it sort of nonetheless rings true for you. Exactly. Okay. All right, Jeff, I think we're back to you. Oh, my goodness. Well, here is one that I have not seen in a while, but I understand it's coming back, and that is BattleBots. Oh, yeah, I did oh, hear yes. that's coming back, yeah. And uh, I, th- I think they would be more interesting, to me at least, if they weren't remote-controlled instead of having someone drive them. The uh, the things had to have their own autonomous control. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't really fit into well, maybe now with advances in sensors and microcontrollers, but that's hard to fit into a season. Yes, develop your own yeah. AI. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it'll, it'll be interesting. That was uh, that was one of those shows where uh, certainly they showed a little bit of the engineering, but they didn't show much of it. Most of the time was spent, you know, on the uh, in the BattleBot arena with flames blowing, you know, you know, little. Uh, Little uh, trap doors opening up, or little ramps uh, coming out of uh, out of the floor to launch the battle bot across the room, or or flame. You know, it it was uh, it was a you know kind of shoot 'em up action environment, but uh, it was fun to watch. Yeah, no, I watched the first episode this season, and uh, and I believe on tested they had discussed some of the big changes since when the show was previously on. Um, one of which being that, you know, lithium polymer batteries are now very cheap and and huge mm-hmm. in terms of capacity. And the amount of power they can put into these things is just an order of magnitude compared to what they were doing before, which has made them even more powerful than they, you know, in unexpected ways. And I kind of stopped liking BattleBots when it seemed like there was only one or two designs that could possibly win. Well, uh, yeah, so that was my next question. With the new season or the new uh, version out, 
do the do the robots look exactly the same or do they have new configurations? Um, I would say there's newer configurations. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are still some spinning energy ones that, you know, kind of go by. I mean, and for those who've never watched it before, it basically became a duel between two spinning things that couldn't be flipped over. Mm-hmm. You know, anyone who tried to do anything that didn't involve large spinning blades or like a spinning chassis just got killed. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it looked like there were some new things being done. I won't ruin it for anyone. Okay. Well, I'll be anxious if they have, uh, maybe a laser, like in real genius, that'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say too, the damage that was being done was so much more impressive than, you know, because it was always seemed kind of superficial and, you know, oh, maybe something got knocked loose inside of the thing and it would stop working. Mm-hmm. These bots were literally being torn apart. <laughs> okay. Big machine pieces of aluminum were literally being snapped in half and thrown across. The, I mean, there were little bots that were just literally evaporating. <laughs> it's, it's, it's impressive. Right. I don't know if it'll hold up for the rest of the season, but... Oh gosh, it was pretty cool. Damn, it was. I was excited. I was excited. My wife was not. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, cable or can I stream it? Only says it's available on Xfinity right now. It's on Hulu. Oh, is it? Okay, it's it's not searching very fast then for me now. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I watch it on Hulu. Okay. Well, Seinfeld is also on Hulu now, so you know, probably just watch that instead. Day after day after day. For the 10 millionth time, yeah. Maybe this time the soup Nazi will have a heart of gold. <laughs> no soup for you. <laughs> so what, what's next on uh, your list, Carmen? All right. Here's uh, here's one I just uh, you know threw out there as we were doing this show. I thought of it. We uh, made a nod before to um, you know shows and movies trying to throw in you know semblance of realism. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just give a, a quick mention to Futurama. Uh, yes, it's a goofy cartoon, um, but they actually did invent a math theorem that was, I think, believe published for uh, for the. I don't know. Maybe it's not published. I don't know. I'm telling. I'm making that one up. But they did invent a, a recognized theorem that is the first theorem uh, ever made just for a TV show. <laughs> okay. Yes, it was uh, season six, uh, The Prisoner of Benda. Mm-hmm. And um, invented by – he was one of the writers on the show, Ken Keeler, who holds a PhD in applied mathematics. And um, the, the, they had a mind switcher, you know, like four chairs with, you know, some tubes that went over the top of your head and you could switch people's minds. And uh, the purpose of this theorem – proves that regardless of how many mind switch between two bodies have regardless of how many mind switches between two bodies have been made they can still all be restored to their original bodies using only two extra people provided these two people have not had any mind switches prior assuming two people cannot switch minds back with each other after the original switch and uh the Futurama wiki will link to actually shows the proof and uh gives you a plain english you know solution to the algorithm hmm. so Hidden little Easter egg in there, but uh, you know it does make nods to science and engineering and mathematics. Right. So uh, Futurama was uh, created by uh, Matt Groening, who also did The Simpsons. Yes, that's correct. And I will admit that I watched 
I would occasionally come across it and I'd watch five minutes of it and I just could never get into it. So what is it about Futurama that uh, pulled you in? I wouldn't say it pulled me in. I'm more of a casual, uh, casual watcher. But mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, there is there is some smart humor in there if you uh, really pay attention and you got to watch the background and stuff because a lot of it is Easter eggs. Um, okay. Seems like every couple months there's a, a cracked article and one of the entries is, you know, <laughs> hidden shit in Futurama that you've never seen before. And it, it's just cool to see how much uh, effort they put into it. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying I can sit down and burn through a uh, a season or anything in a weekend like some people can, but it, it's always fun when, you know, when I'm looking just for something to put on and chill out to. Right. Well, if I come across a Simpsons episode, I can sit down and watch that and pick up, and I, I know the you know basic characters, and occasionally they introduce a few new ones, but I have no trouble following that, and I would sit down and try to watch Futurama, and I was completely confused within a few minutes as to who the characters were and what the relationships were. And I suppose that's just, I never gave it enough of a chance. Yeah. After you watch the first two or three episodes, you know, it, it's pretty much interchangeable. You'll know who the characters are. And, uh, you can, you can jump in at any point really from okay. what I've seen so far. Yeah. I, I think I, I understand the characters on SpongeBob SquarePants better than I do on Futurama. But, <laughs> well, that's a different story for a different day. Well, just recently I watched a documentary. Are we going to leave the documentaries to the end or should no, I no. just throw them in no. randomly? Okay. Go for it. Uh, called Pandora's Promise. Um, I think it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, it is kind of about the untapped potential of nuclear power. And it's it seems to focus in my mind a lot on the people who engineered the first generation of military and commercial reactors, mm-hmm. um, discussing kind of their career, what they were doing. Um, and then, you know, lamenting that reactor design kind of stopped. Right. That, And I've always heard it said that, you know, the reactors that we have today, you know, are the way they are because they, they were derived from ones that were supposed to go in a submarine. Okay. And so – you get the feeling like these guys wish they could have designed safer reactors. You know, the reactors we have are pretty safe, mm-hmm. but there's things that they could have done, you know, to make quote unquote walk away safe reactors. Um, if the politics had been different, but it's, it's pretty cool. And I mean, it also, you know, it, they make no bones about the disasters that have happened. Right. I believe part of it, they actually go to Fukushima and are taking background radiation measurements or, you know, to get an idea of how bad it is. Mm-hmm. So. And and so, uh, not to put you on a spot, but do you remember what the political issues were that constrained their technical design? Uh, you get the impression that – and. It's going to be difficult for me to separate what was said in the movie and what I've read in other places, but I think Mm -hmm. it was said in the movie as well. Um, The technical and political constraints were early on. If it doesn't benefit production of plutonium for nuclear weapons, or if it doesn't benefit naval nuclear propulsion, we're not interested. Mm, Okay. Um, And... uh, (laughs) You know, 
so you, you see a lot on the inner tubes these days about, uh, you know, thorium reactors and, and, uh, molten salt reactors mm-hmm. and all seem like fantastic ideas with, you know, their own trade-offs, but also there is the potential that we could have very, very, very safe and plentiful nuclear power, but people just, you know, you got to build them in order to test them and, that's just not politically possible anymore. So now the political constraint is that you have a world that's just too afraid of nuclear power. Right. And, and, you know, things like the disaster at uh, Fukushima doesn't help. No, it doesn't. I mean, they do talk about, I mean, it's one of those, the real tragedy is that 15,000 people died in a, you know, in a tsunami and almost nobody remembers the tsunami. It's the reactor meltdown that hasn't killed anyone. Mm-hmm. So, at least as far as I'm aware. Right. Interesting. Well, tell you what, I will, uh, I will nominate another documentary, and that's one called Particle Fever. And this was a, uh, a story about the Large Hadron Collider and, uh, it follows a number of physicists uh, who are involved in the process and, and uh, you know, sort of interviews them as they go along, you know, in real time. They don't know what the outcome is going to be. And uh, we discovered that each of them has their own theory uh, that is going to be proved by the collider. You know, the results are going to uh, either support their work that they've done for 10 or 20 years in academia or they're going to be proven wrong. Uh, so, and I, so I won't, uh, I won't spoil it for those of you that want to watch it and see what happens and, and who's right and who's wrong. Uh, but, uh, it, it was interesting. I, I had listened to some other people that whose opinion I respect and they said, this is a fantastic, this is like the best movie they'd ever seen. Yeah, it was, it was entertaining. I'm not, I'm glad I watched it, but I didn't find it just like, the best movie I'd ever seen uh, type level. What, what did you guys think? I know you watched it, Brian. I thought it was an excellent look inside of the reactor, mm-hmm. not reactor, the, uh, uh, collider. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I like the non engineering side of it the best, which, you know, I think the movie's split between the, and, and very evenly divided between the, um, Experimental physicists, you know, the engineers effectively who are building the experiment mm-hmm. and the theoretical physicists who are, you know, I think they felt like three or four of them, all right. of whose theories will be either made or broken based on what the mass of the Higgs uh, boson is. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was more interesting. And it was more from their career point of view. I mean, they had people, or at least one guy, who seems like the past 40 years of his career has been predicated on one particular mass of, or a theory, which, if, you know, seems to depend upon the mass being one particular value. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, oh, you, now you got to wait and find out if it's, if it's that value. Right. So I won't ruin the. And for anyone. <laughs> Spoilers, we find the Higgs. No, it's not about finding the Higgs. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of, no, it, I, yeah, I've seen it too. It's yeah. about what the actual mass is. And 
you know, yeah, yeah, and what it means to those people. I, I won't. It, it, that'd be a horrible. The movie would not be. The documentary would not be fun to watch if you knew the answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've seen. Uh, I've seen it too, and I, I really liked it. Like what you said, Jeff. It's not the greatest movie ever, but um, you know what, what stood out for me was when they finally found the Higgs, and you know, all all of CERN just stops working that day. Like people. People couldn't get into the hall where they're doing the big announcement and they're, they're crowded just, you know, anywhere they can sit down with laptops and they're watching the stream and just, just seeing how many people cared and actually put, you know, years of their life on the line for this project, you know, um, it, it, you know, does a lot better than reading some popular science article like, oh, there's, you know, 15 teraflops worth of computing power in this detector or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and it's a different look at, you know, some, uh, some engineers, scientists, technical people work for startups and it's all about making the dollar, making the startup go and the payoff is coming. And what's interesting to me is in, in this particular movie was the, the depiction of the physicists who were spending years and I'm sure they, you know, made some decent salary, but they definitely weren't going to get rich on this. This was not going to be, uh, living, living the life of, uh, luxury when they were done, but, but they were so committed to it that they were spending, you know, years and years and years of their life trying to see what happened. They didn't know, you know, they didn't know what the outcome would be yet. They were still committed to, to uncovering the, uh, the scientific reality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to a point, not that they didn't care what the answer was, but it, it, even if they were proven wrong, they would just, okay, well, now I have to assume this and gone from there. Um, you know, I don't think anybody really said, well, if this doesn't come out to be exactly, you know, 20 electron volts, I'm going to quit my job and, you know, work at McDonald's. Become a shepherd. Yeah, exactly. Trying to swap my dog away as she gets her noisiest toy and comes in. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the, and the other thing about that movie, you mentioned, Brian, that they had the, the applied physicists and the, exper- uh, the experimental physicists and the theoretical physicists. And... I, I sort of got more into the story of the theoretical physicists uh, because the applied physicists, they would talk about their problems, but they didn't go very deep into the the trade-offs they had to make at an engineering level. And I'm sure they couldn't do it for a documentary uh, intended for the general public. Well, I also got the impression, and I might have been reading into this, that a lot of the experimental people that they were talking were not involved in the project when it started. It, it might have been one of those programs, again, I could be totally wrong, but it seems like these things were so big and took so long to develop that you have people, you know, that maybe weren't around when those trade-offs were being made. Sure. So, yeah, definitely check that one out if you haven't. Absolutely. So you've got, uh, you've got something else for us, Carmen? Sure. Going down the list here. Um I'll, I'll stick with the documentaries. Uh, it's a series of three documentaries all done by the same guy, and they're all on Netflix. Uh, at least they were when I watched them. Uh, the guy's name is Gary Hustwit, and there's mm-hmm. three documentaries, like I said. There's one called Helvetica, another one called Objectified, and another one called Urbanized. And Helvetica is all about um, you know typefaces and typography. Mm-hmm. And specifically, you know, Helvetica and how it became such a prolific font or typeface or whatever the technical term is. I'll use font because I'm a, a lay person. 
Um, mm-hmm. And it was just really interesting to see, you know, how you would go about picking a new font and what the trade-offs are, you know, you know what you would look for if you wanted a certain message conveyed with just the shape of the letters. Um, something, you know, at least I never really put a whole lot of thought into before seeing the documentary. Um, Objectified is all about design, uh, more from an industrial standpoint. And they talk, you know, a little bit about Ikea and, you know, kind of modern design, which is pretty cool. And then Urbanized talks about, uh, you know, the design of cities and why certain cities, like, I, I think they mentioned Boston, you know, where it's pretty much old cow trails. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's why the streets are all ridiculous to some new concepts, um, can't remember the name of the city, but I think it's in Brazil. It's definitely South America. And they laid it out in a way they thought was like the most efficient way possible. And it turned out to really suck. And then, you know, like different things certain cities are doing, like with their uh, their streets, you park on, you know, the side of the road like you would normally. And then the bike lane is between the parked car and the sidewalk. And that way their bikers are protected by, uh, you know, the parked cars instead of trying to cut into the middle of the street around parked cars. Mm-hmm. And just, just different little things that go into designing cities that, uh, you know, Adam's not here today, but, uh, you know, that I would never <laughs> have guessed. <laughs> right. And, you know, all three are only about an hour each, so it, it's pretty easy. It's not, uh, you know, you're not dedicating a huge chunk of time, you know, the space of one Avengers movie or something <laughs> to uh, to knock all three out if you really want to. Right, and and having watched this, does this make you any more effective at SimCity? No, no, it does not. (laughs) (laughs) But it does make me all the more angry when I drive around town. Come on, I know how good it could be. (laughs) Right. Who designed all this? Also, I just wish someone would put a bike path up anywhere near my house. It seems to go uh, everywhere but. Hmm. Yeah. Well, they've added quite a few uh, bike lanes around us in the last... I don't know, five, ten years. And, but I will say th- th- some of the ways they route those bike lanes, I would not want to be a cyclist going diving through traffic. You know, they sort of, you know, all of a sudden the, the cars are supposed to cut across the bike lane to turn right or something. And, you know, woe to the poor cyclist who happens to be right there in the blind spot when some driver comes shooting across trying to make a, a, a yellow line. Yeah, I hear you there. I always give the bikers here a lot of credit. They're – uh they're either very brave or very stupid for trying to ride at rush hour on some of the streets by my house. Because <laughs> it, it was not laid out with them in mind. Yeah. But, yeah, all, th- all three very good documentaries. Um, and I'll probably have to rewatch them now, too, because I, I really liked them. I think so. I think so. Well, I've heard, I've heard of Hel- Helvetica, and I've been meaning to watch that for a number of years, so I guess I'll have to uh, go for the entire trilogy. Yeah, yeah, it's worthwhile. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. Okay. So, Brian, you have uh, you have another one to share with us? Yeah, I'll jump back to TV. Um, I just recently caught this on Netflix. Um, it's called Halt and Catch Fire. Okay. Uh, it's on, I think, AMC. If you were watching it on the cables, um, it's Mad Men for the PC industry. So if, for those who haven't seen Mad Men, it's kind of a salacious show about the Madison Avenue, uh, advertising company culture of the late fifties, early sixties, or maybe Mm -hmm. just the sixties. I think it starts early sixties and moves from there. Yeah. 
Uh, so this one is set in the 80s in Dallas, I believe. Okay. Uh, and it's looking at the group. And it, this is a fictionalized company that, if I had to guess, is loosely based on Compaq. Okay. Uh, very, very loosely. And uh, their efforts to clone the first or do, make the first PC clone, IBM PC clone. And, uh, again, it's another show that, you know, I'd say about 50 to 60% of the show is kind of the Mad Men-like drama and, you know, the intrigue and the relationships. And then the rest is just hardcore engineering. Okay. And I mean that in the purest sense, literally down to how they're laying out circuit boards how they're dealing with power dissipation inside. You know, they want to make the computer smaller than something IBM offers. So, you know, literally people are fired from the show or, you know, how do you get rid of the heat? You know, right. how do you, how do you do the display? The industrial design, it hits on every aspect of it from software, electrical, mechanical, industrial design, and even the sales and marketing of their machine. Mm-hmm. So, I thought it was pretty sweet. All right. Well, I have to, if I get a chance, I have to check that one out as well. There's a scene in the movie, or movie, TV show, where they're literally spinning the platter of a hard drive by hand and clocking out the individual bits so they can, because they're computer bricked, Mm -hmm. and they have to... um, They have to retrieve the BIOS they were working on. <laughs> and it's like, you could see this happening. And then, I mean, that's exactly how you would do it. Cool. Very interesting. I will have to watch this one now, too. We're, we're going to get no work done for the next couple of weeks, I feel. Oh, yeah. Of. These next few episodes are going to totally suck as we catch up on these uh, <laughs> on all these shows and everything. <laughs> right. I kind of seen most of them. <laughs> all right. And this go is going to become the... Uh, Brian podcast. <laughs> I am going to go back and watch Sneakers. So, God, I love that movie. <laughs> right. Well, I'll tell you what, I will throw in a uh, movie that uh, just because it was so popular, I think most people have heard of. And that was the, you know, what has uh, some people have said is the world's greatest engineering movie. And that is Apollo 13, the story of uh, how Apollo 13 had the, the explosion and, and, uh, how ground control and the astronauts work together to figure out out a way to get them back home safely. And, uh, again, not, you don't get a whole lot of details, engineering details in that show, but certainly a good episode or a good depiction of engineers working together, trying to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the Martian, like I said, follows a similar vein. Um, you know, all the engineers come together to try and rescue this one guy or and the Apollo 13, the group of astronauts. Mm-hmm. I really hope that movie doesn't suck. <laughs> Which movie? The Martian. Oh. <laughs> I know Apollo 13 doesn't suck. I've seen that one. <laughs> Okay. I'm conflicted as to uh, whether I want to read the book or not. I would. The The book is going to probably provide a lot more exposition than the movie does. I, I always like uh, 
you know, like Michael Crichton does this beautifully, or he did do this beautifully, uh, you know, in his books when he was alive and writing, you know, in like timeline, you know, you're going along with this cool story and then all of a sudden he slips into this exposition about quantum physics and that goes on for five pages and then it's back to the story and, you know, or you get a history lesson about the Middle Ages and he does it so well that you don't even, it it doesn't take you out of anything. And I, I feel like the Martian did a similar similar uh, thing with how it explained all the science and the physics and the chemistry and, you know, why certain things would fail. And, you know, it cuts away from the story and goes back to like, oh, two years ago on Earth when this was being made, blah, 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 blah. Trying to keep it as vague as possible to avoid spoilers. Right. But, uh, yeah, I always love when books and movies can do that and throw it, or not really movies, I don't know of any that do that, but when books can throw in uh, a lesson or two. That always, that always seems to get cut out in the movies. Like, I love Timeline the book, but I cannot stand the movie and will never watch it again. <laughs> the book had all this great setup. The movie, five minutes later, they're five minutes in, they're back in time, and you have no idea why or how it works. Kills me. Well, everybody wants to make an action movie. so Exactly. The, the, <laughs> the, the, the why, who cares about that? So I have another one, um, and I was inspired to look up the video that reminded me that this was such a good movie. Uh, it's called The Pentagon Wars. Has anyone heard or seen this? No, I'm familiar with the Pentagon Papers, but I've not heard of The Pentagon Wars. Well, The Pentagon Wars is about the design of the Bradley fighting vehicle. Okay. And the productionizing. And uh, the part of history that is undeniably true is that it was a very controversial piece of equipment um, that is basically the poster child for design bloat and inability to deal with trade-offs. Um, and there's a great 11-minute video that's basically a lesson on project management. <laughs> that ex- like, There's this great scene where they're like, uh, the guy, I forget hit the name of the actor who was in Princess Bride, is basically like, you know, what is that a picture of? Well, that's a picture of the Bradley. Then what is this a picture a picture of from 1968? Well, that's the Bradley. And they look totally different. Right. And they then recount the history of, you know, how the lowly design engineer had to see it through from, like, a simple concept to just ridiculousness. <laughs> Feature creep. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's got Kelsey Grammer in it and... So it's it's not a documentary. No, it's 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 drama, but it's loosely. It's not actually loosely. It seems like it's very decently based on what actually happened, and I guess a lot of the criticisms of the Bradley. Okay. Um. So, you know, it is it is about a defense technology, but it's also, geez, this could be any engineering project you've ever worked on. <laughs> Anything of sufficient complexity in a big organization will go through this. Yes, especially if there's sufficient budget. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I've uh, got uh, a quick one here. Okay. Um, go for it. Also on Netflix, if you can tell I haven't uh, cut cable, you uh, know now because everything I do is on Netflix. <laughs> right. Uh, this one I think was only 20, 25 minutes or so, uh, but it, it, there's a whole series on Netflix called Inside and then Company X. Uh, this one specifically is Inside Lego, and it, you know, being only 20, 25 minutes, it's not, um, 
super technical or in-depth, but it gives you a really cool look at, uh, you know, all the machines that build the bricks and, you know, a little bit about how they go about designing new kits, and it, it's just really cool. Neat. Um, and, yeah, and, one of the, the so neat this things. Is inside the, and this is inside their factory or this is inside their design offices? Uh, a little bit of both. I mean, you know, it's just uh, – I forget exactly how they do the bricks now that I'm, you know, put on the spot. But they, they do show you that <laughs> a little bit and they tell you, you know, how many bricks they churn out every day or every hour or something like that. And it's some ungodly number. <laughs> right. Uh, but what I, I thought was the coolest was if you're a designer for Lego, which is apparently very hard to do, um, you know, you, you have your giant bin of – every conceivable Lego all nice, neat, and organized and everything, and you'll snap together your house or your dog house or, you know, your barber shop or whatever you want to do. And right. you, you build it and you scan it or somehow document all the pieces in the process or whatever. And then when you're done with it, you take the plastic and you throw it, you take your finished thing and you throw it down a chute and they melt it down and they use that plastic to make the black Lego bricks. Because it's worth, it's more money to disassemble whatever they've built than to just melt it down and reuse the plastic. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So it's uh, it's really cool. There's just a lot of neat little tidbits about the company. All right. Inside well, Chipotle I'll... wasn't bad either. I uh, <laughs> I got to watch a few more of those documentaries. They're all about 20, 25 minutes. Oh, great. Well, now I'm hungry. <laughs> no, I'm always down for Chipotle. Let's meet up. <laughs> There's got to be one halfway between Indianapolis and Raleigh. I'm I'm sure there is. If if we uh, both hop in the car now, we can meet about four in the morning. Great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, have another one or two, Brian. Well, I did say I would say Swordfish. I mean, well that is a horrible. It is a horrible movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's entertaining. It is horrible. But there's hacking in it and technical stuff, and it's all awful. Mm-hmm. But I said that so that I could set up uh, Takedown, which okay. is an unknown movie. Most people have not even heard of it. Uh, and even inside of the subculture that has heard of it, uh, it's very controversial. It's about uh, Kevin, Kevin Mitnick. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, pretty much inside of the Kevin Mitnick camp, it's, it's believed to be a fiction. Uh, and if let's just assume that they're right, it's at least a good thriller that does a decent job talking about actual device design, you know, software, hardware, you know, cell uh, cell phone systems. You know, it it's it seems like a fairly technically robust movie. Okay, and for those who don't know, uh, can you tell us briefly who Kevin Mitnick is? Uh, he is a a uh, fairly famous hacker who actually exists. I mean, still exists. Um, yeah, let's see. He was on the run and on, was he on the FBI's most wanted list? Uh, I believe so. I, I, I know he went to jail for a while. Oh yeah. And I believe he went to jail under pretty dubious circumstances. If I remember, I used to know a lot more about this story. I think he was, kind of a person who has spent an incredible amount of time in jail without actually being charged. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, and I don't think he denies uh, much of the 
alleged criminal activity that was done, as far as I'm aware. Uh, again, it's he wrote a book on this. It's probably worth a read. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's kind of a cat and mouse. Um, and the, unfortunately, the movie and the book were written from the side of, uh, I forget, some, I believe it's the New York Times journalist. Mm-hmm. Markov, I believe is the guy's name. And a gentleman, and I believe it was an engineer out of, was it Deck? I can't, can't remember. Who I just remember I I looked it up recently as I added it to this um, list, mm-hmm. and the guy who's kind of the one hunting down Kevin Mitnick happens to be the son of the guy who just won the Nobel Prize for the blue LED. Really? Yeah, yeah. This guy's I know the the gentleman who is kind of purported to be the guy who helped track down Kevin Mitnick. And I, I know again in quotation marks. Mm-hmm. Um, he is fairly respected, you know, and there's evidently hilarious testimony in front of Congress where he's basically wearing shorts and, you know, talking about hacking into people's phones. Okay. I'm sure I could find it on YouTube. And if I can, we'll include it. Fantastic. But again, if we're looking for movies that actually show, Great, you know, accurate representation of technical things. It, it's a it's high on the list. Okay, not as high as most of the other ones, though. <laughs> not, right. as, not as good as Swordfish, you said, right? <laughs> so, like, I put them back to back on my list because it was like Swordfish is the cartoon, like the not amusing cartoonish version of Hackers. Yeah, there's, there's like, a certain scene in Swordfish in order to keep this podcast a bit kosher where. Uh, Certain things are done whilst hacking that you'll not find on any benefits list in uh, Silicon Valley companies. <laughs> yes. And more importantly, it's like, oh, well, it's encryption and, well, I know the back door. Oh, yes. There's always a back door. And then, you know, you compare it to a movie about an actual hacker. Mm-hmm. And it's, <laughs> it would be great to watch both of those in the same day. Back to back, yeah. It's elliptic curve photography. What if we straighten the curves? <laughs> yes, Exactly. Just, just goofy stuff like that that would never make sense. Oh, God, I hate Techno babble at its finest. I hated Swordfish. <laughs> Teenage me liked it. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you think, guys? Have we uh, we uh, offered our listeners enough uh, enough viewing choices that they can uh, spend their their evenings streaming Netflix for a few months? I I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll have uh, we'll try to uh, put links to uh, the various shows, movies we've talked about. Yes. Um, please, uh, please, please keep listening to the podcast. Don't stop listening because you got a Netflix queue to to catch up on now. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And uh, in our next episode, we will uh, return to having a guest, and uh, so we'll have uh, we'll have someone who can uh, teach us, inform us, uh, make us a little brighter than we already are. So we'll uh, we'll look forward to that. Awesome. Well, then I will talk to you guys next week. All right. Take care, guys. Good talking to you. Bye. The Engineering Commons is produced in affiliation with Big Beacon, a social movement for transforming engineering education, located on the web at bigbeacon.org. 
For more information about the podcast you've just heard, please visit theengineeringcommons.com. Our theme music is by Paul Stevenson.